Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? I feel just toasty tonight. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel frisky. I feel like doing some fighting. <laughs> well, is it just uh, is it MMA or just uh, the standard kung fu fighting? Everybody does kung fu fighting, so maybe we should switch it up a bit. Maybe. Well, I, no, no, I don't think we should switch it up a bit. I think we should go back to what we're used to and do a review, a movie review. Yes. Yes, definitely. We've been putting this one off just a little while for safety purposes. Uh, uh, this film was released in theaters about a month ago, and it just dropped to Disney Plus as of the time of our recording. Was it the 17th today? 17th. Yeah. Yes. So it came out on the 12th. Was it the yeah. 12th? Yes. Yeah. So we've had a few days to, for Richard view for the first time, for me to review for the second time. We are, of course, talking about the Marvel film. Jungle Cruise. No. Never. Not going to review that. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. No, we're talking about Shang-Chi or... Shang-Chi, depending upon how you would uh, prefer the original pronunciation. I, I kind of like what they did with this. Shang-Chi? Yeah, something like that. Or just Sean, you know, whatever. Now, for those of you that are familiar with our movie uh, editorial process, we like to give our films that we review a score between 1 and 100, just like uh, handing out homework scores in, in high school. Uh, so you get the idea, the higher the score, the better, but we break it down into individual categories. We like to kind of microanalyze as much as possible. So we'll be talking about the cast, the director, we'll be talking about the costuming and props and location, the cinematography. We'll be talking about, uh, the plot and the writing, of course, and we'll have little bonus points potentially that can increase or decrease that score until we get what we feel is eh, about right. We always like to play with the bonus points just because it makes the scores fit to our exact liking. Absolutely. I almost wish there was this this way that we could score our movies and then have our friends be able to see what we're doing and our family. We can see what their interests are. And does something exist uh, like if that? If only they could just have an idea on why we thought our score was what it is, you know? Right, right. And share. Hmm. And, hmm. and tell us why they think their score is more right than our score. Right. Even though ours is right, you know? Obviously, obviously. Well, maybe something like that will be coming soon. Uh, with the amount of effort that's going into creating it, uh, I hope it's coming soon. <laughs> it's taking a lot of grunt work into getting this going. But... It will be coming. But back to the good stuff. We're going to talk about uh, a movie with uh, fighting and special effects and emotions and dragons and water and uh, tentacle monsters. And faceless, faceless dog, winged dogs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little different. I mean, to be sure, uh, this film takes a lot of fantastical elements those that are familiar with uh some classic um some classic films from overseas or some anime it has a lot of influence from that kind of area and i i dig that but i don't know if everybody necessarily will yeah it it has some moderate influences i feel like but roots here it kind of it's a little bit of all over the place in a certain sense Right. Well, let's start with the director, as I am often want to do. Uh, the director of this particular film is Destin Daniel Cretton, or, or Creton? Crouton? I think, I'll go with Cretton. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Crouton just because I think that's funnier. Uh, but uh, this gentleman has a little bit of history. He's been directing things since 2002. Um, I have not seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, none of these look familiar to me whatsoever. Yeah, bl blank slate for me going into this. So, uh, I had, I had no bias coming into the film, thinking that I'm going to expect stylistically anything from this individual. 
So that's kind of nice in a sense. You get whatever you get and just kind of go with it. And Marvel's kind of got a history of having people come in to film their big budget movies that no one's ever heard of, or maybe they've made one movie. And you know what? For the most part, it turns out to be they made the right decision. Right. Save them a little money, right? Why pay the some director a whole lot of money to make a movie when you can find real talent if you just dig and do the right research? And that's probably what happened here. Now, as far as execution goes, I think uh, the director did a great job for a couple of different reasons. Um as it was, you know, discussed, over-discussed, some would say, when the Avengers came out, that uh, a lot of those characters were not the A-list characters. People had already done the Spider-Man films and the X-Men films, and they were kind of going for characters that were not quite so well-known, at least at the time. And then as they've been bringing out new films, they've been going deeper and deeper into the catalogs of characters. Uh, Shang-Chi is a deep cut I'll tell you what, uh, this this guy's been around for a long time, but he did not have a great deal of popularity in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s in the comics. I mean, back in the 70s, sure, uh, especially with uh, uh, shows like uh, Kung Fu that were on television with David Carradine, it, it would have given a little bit of uh, mainstream attention to the character. But you got this blank slate, essentially, to the average uh, moviegoer. They're just not familiar with this guy. And even a lot of comic book fans are not terribly familiar with this character. So it feels like even though you've got a blank slate, you've got a bit of work to not only introduce it, introduce it in a way that's not completely formulaic and comes over as um as connecting and i think that uh, i think destin did that well you know let's be honest and look at a lot of the comics or in the the comic things that we've reviewed you know the comics as they've gone through the ages tend to be the same type of strong white dude right kind of so it's nice to see some influence from anything else really right right so we got captain marvel we got some strong female-led movies and characters and now if we can get a little influence from wherever it doesn't matter where i mean just wherever and show that that you can really kind of have a good influence on and a good presentation of what they're they're trying to do, and I think this is what this is what happened with this movie. They came across really well, and it's nice to see a little little something. I mean, I, don't get me wrong; I love me some Thor and some Captain America and stuff like that, but it's good to see a little variety. Definitely so. Another thing that I think is a point in the favor of the director, and I'm going to say part of it is always going to be in the writing because the character has to be written in such a way that it's it's interesting or at least uh, engaging in some way, but a lot of times uh, certain characters are just not going to get the same kind of uh, in-depth development before the actual production begins. Basically where I'm going with this, there is an individual that is involved within this production whose work I have not been particularly fond of up until this point. And I actually enjoyed the performance and the character, and I have to expect that some of that had to have come from the directing uh, side of things. Agreed. And I know that was going to be one of my points in terms of the other category for the cast. And then towards the end, when we do some bonuses, that same. And we haven't really talked about this too much. No. Um, I was going to include some bonus points for... That specifically? Correct, yes. <laughs> well, well, we'll still get there. And and this is not intended as a knock. Sometimes performances are going to hit some people, not others. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of just being green and being uh, a new actor or actress and getting, uh, getting better as you go. I've seen several uh, individuals that I did not like at first, but over time they grew on me mm-hmm. uh, and they just got better. So maybe that's also what happened. I don't know. 
since there's a lot of unknowns and variables uh, in this that I can't really speak to, but there are some things that have to have been attributed to the director. I'm going to, I'm going to go on the favorable side. I'm going to go with the 16 out of 20. I think for the director, I did 15. Uh, did you? Did it? Um, or you know what? I did too. You know we have notes when we do this, and I uh, I sometimes I look at the wrong line because I uh, you know human happens. I actually did have a fifteen for a director. I was looking at the wrong spot. Well, you know that's a seventy five percent. So it's pretty solid, you know. Yeah, that's uh, what they say: Caesar and de- Caesar and degrees, right? De- Caesar and degrees, actually, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that like we've done some reviews before and we've felt like the direction was poor and i don't think this was no this was what happened here no i th- i think the direction was pretty solid but let's move on to the other big very visible side that uh, we often do early in our reviews and uh, talk about the the actors uh, that are involved in the production Ooh. um now this also has the uh, the option of uh, being twenty points, potentially twenty points. Um, I was I was pretty happy with the casting. Um, I was kind of mad that uh, uh, Wa Wen only had a tiny, tiny part. <laughs> he is one of my favorites. And I would have loved to have seen him have just a little bit more. But seeing Ben Kingsley come back was just excellent. And I think they had the right amount of him to bring that levity and humor without distracting too much. And also tying up some plot threads that have been left hanging, uh, which is, is really pretty nice. Michelle Yeoh is just, she's fantastic. She is always good in anything. If you're not completely familiar with Michelle Yeoh you really should take a look at some of the stuff she's been in obviously Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon she's one of your favorites I liked her in it Mm. (laughs) Um, but uh, she was in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies and she's been in a lot of uh, voice work for things Uh, she's in Star Trek Discovery and she does just a fantastic job in that Uh, yeah just just all around uh, a, a great actress. Who were some of the ones that you were kind of happy to see and or unhappy to see, depending? Well, I do enjoy me some Michelle Yeoh, although in this movie she was, eh, average. Well, she wasn't in a whole lot of it. N- no, she wasn't. Uh, the main character, played by Simu Liu, I thought he did great. Yeah, he was really charismatic. I thought he, I don't know, a little in, from a little bit of everything. All it, of the time. Yeah, he, I love when they show a character and the character is from one place, grew up in another place, but both of those places are that character. Right. And he right. presented that one pretty well. And I think the 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 thing about him is we do we know him do we know some things that he's been in and I I really want to say no um kind of I mean I liked Taken but he was not exactly a focus of that film by any stretch yeah. um but yeah that's I think or it's not the film that's why it's the TV series oh. I never watched the Taken TV series. Mm-mm. That explains why I didn't remember seeing him in the film because he wasn't in it. Um, yeah, so a lot of lot of uh, TV series appearances. Right, right. So yeah, so I would never have had a chance to see him up until this point. But handsome gentleman, uh, definitely had the physicality down, mm-hmm. um, and you know. I cannot, I, I maybe don't talk about this much, but I can't stress how important, and it seems goofy, but the actor or actress, the smile. 
It has to be a good smile, but it also has to be kind of not exactly iconic, but at least kind of uh, semi-original to them. And he's got kind of one of those smiles. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't know too many other people that smile like that. And it just makes me makes me smile, too, kind of a thing. Authentic. Yeah, exactly. So I really like that. Uh, what did you think of uh, Chonichi Wailung? Well, I was going to also bring up one minor point. Oh, that, yeah? Um, he's from Canada. I know you love Canadians. I do love Canadians. So, um, <laughs> Okay, so... In terms of what we were presented, and we talked about this a little bit, in the lore of Marvel, there was the Mandarin. Right. And the Mandarin was more of a larger-than-life character in a certain sense. Oh, yeah. He was entirely stereotypical in his original inception, and only really, it took a long time to flesh him out as a full villain with levels and a lot of other stuff, and eventually became a great character. And in in this movie, I don't think you really got that. You you got the name Mandarin from Iron Man three, but it obviously that spread the character up into this movie, which was once you said before a good follow up, tie up some loose ends, that type of stuff. But what we really got was the leader of a crime organization, and he happens to have these things that keep him alive and give him power right and that's it's not the same it's not the same and it's he's a a larger than life villain in a certain sense although i don't see him necessarily presented as a villain but more of a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? An antagonist. Without yeah. Being, without being the uh, finger thumping, you know, uh, mwahaha sort of a villain. It's a person that has chosen bad options when given choices to do better. And we've seen the Ten Rings show up in the first Iron Man. And we thought it would lead to maybe more. And it really didn't. But... I don't know if if this person's been around for thousand years, thousands of years, and suddenly now makes an appearance in the world. What what are we missing from? I was that really ever that was never really explained. Now this has nothing to do with this character. No, I no. should stick to what we're talking about, which is the cast. His presentation of whatever he was was fine. It just wasn't defined really well I think is what I'm trying to yeah. present here we'll get back to that but as far as the actor goes uh, I thought he did a great job in terms of presenting somebody that's believably threatening but also relatable I'll buy that yes and uh, part of that's obviously going to be in the writing but it's definitely a, a chunk of, of acting that goes into that and this this gentleman has been in a lot of stuff I'm not going to go into it I have a feeling that Western audiences may not be incredibly familiar with a lot of these, um, but he's he's been in a lot of cool stuff. Now keeps busy, that's for sure. If you look at the IMDb list, the very first thing that pops up is Game of Death in '78, which is kind of interesting. Uh, for those not familiar, that would be the last Bruce Lee film that he died in the middle of making. So kind of a, kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you watch that movie, uh, Bruce Lee's actually only in three scenes. (laughs) And they had to get body doubles and other things to, to kind of finish it. (laughs) So, and he played David. Yes, he did. Uh, now it's been long enough. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I, yeah, I don't remember. <clears throat> been a little while. I remember Wilt Chamberlain. That's that's about what I remember out of that film. Um, but yeah, the the whole cast is good. Let's now address kind of what we mm. hinted at a little bit before. Um, apparently, neither of us are particularly fond of Aquafina. That is correct. Yes. Um, 
I have seen several productions she has been involved with and just not been. Don't get me wrong. It's not one of those things like, man, if she touches something, it is just awful. That's not that's not it. It's just her particular her particular way of acting is the same way a lot of actors do it. They basically have the same personality in every role. And her personality just happens to grate my nerves in the way <laughs> that it's presented. I think nerve grating is a great description of her in general. Now, uh, this is with a reminder. This is not a uh, description of her as a person. And it is uh, one of those things that it's kind of an, an in the eye of the beholder because I know there are a lot of people that really enjoy her work. I have not met or spoken to any of them. Um, but uh, I, I've seen enough online stuff to know it's like she's got a following and there are a lot of people that really enjoy her. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in my opinion, either she was directed exceptionally well in this film or uh, she has gotten better as an actress or just chose to do things differently or there was some writing that really kind of muted things down or maybe it's just the editorial process maybe she was like she always was and they just go okay let's let's smooth that down just a bit yes very not distracting in this movie actually even i would i would go as far as say good Mm -hmm. I, i thought her character was interesting and i thought her portrayal at least as it came through was good so that 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 on its own just kind of blew me away. It's like, oh, this is the first time I have uh, <laughs> really been that way. Exactly. And throughout the course of the movie, uh, this is more of, it really is more of a lighthearted movie in a certain sense. And she brings that lightheartedness throughout the course of the movie. But I also feel okay. like they have a, a good rapport together. Oh, yeah. So, even even that on its own is was a pleasant surprise as well. Yeah, I I was very surprised by that, and I'm I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with it's just one of those things where maybe she's just maybe I'm just warming to her. I'm well, we'll see we'll see the next film. Not not I want to see another non Marvel film that she's in, and see if it's just one of those things where oh well I've I've come to like her persona or she's changed it in such a way that it's better. Uh, I watched the television show she's in. That wasn't it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, or maybe I should say I tried to watch it. Um, I got through some of it. Um, but anyway, um, in this, good. So for me, um, I don't know. What do you think? Out of 20, where do you put the cast at, Richard? Put it at a solid 16. I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, uh, we're probably putting a point for the same thing in a different spot, but I'm going to go with a 17 uh, on this just because the people that are in it are either just fantastic. I mean, even Florian Muntzow, who did Razor Fist, was just really enjoyable. And so yeah, I, I I a lot of these people are well known. The one even the ones that I didn't know, I thought did great. All right, so now we're going to take a a brief moment just to tell you a a small secret. Uh, We're on social media. (laughs) Social media. We normally would cut out uh, to talk about social media, but I want to do it within the flow of the episode this time just because I got some other things that I kind of want to mention. We we are obviously on Twitter as at RealPuddingGuys. And we are still posting, at least intermittently, on Instagram and Facebook as uh, at Pudding Guys, right? Pudding Guys. Yeah, Pudding Guys. Um, We are, of course, still available on uh, what is our favorite platform, Richard? I don't know if it's favorite. It's Mm. the only one where we make money. (laughs) Uh, Twitter. No. 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 (laughs) It is Patreon. Yes, Patreon, where for just a dollar per month, you can help support us in our effort to become bigger and better and better. Um, now, the reason I said I want to do this differently is coming up very soon, uh, we're working on a new studio. And it's this kind of funding that can help us uh, get the, the studio going the way that we want and 
Uh, I'm willing to invest my own personal funds into this because, you know, it's going to give us a better look and and a better sound, and it's going to be great. But, you know, we always appreciate our patrons and the help that uh, they give us in also doing this. Foam pads ain't free, my friend. No, they're not. Uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of work getting that going, but it'll be fun. All right, so back on to it. Let's let's go to a couple easy ones that we often do in the same kind Ooh. of order. Let's talk about some costuming. Now, I feel like we've got a, a slightly different view on how the costuming went and the props. We put the props with the costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt it was, I felt it was really colorful. Um, I I liked how they how they did things. I thought there was a lot of um, kind of traditional Asian influence into the designs, a lot of really nice, fantastic elements. Everything was really, really bright. And, you know, obviously with the exception of, you know, when you're in San Francisco, <laughs> that, that one looks like San Francisco. But, uh, you know, when they're, when they're, uh, when they're getting their full suits of armor and the way that the rings themselves were designed, even though they're not what I would have wanted them to be, they were still pretty cool. I really liked it. I, I agree with the colors. And some of the design choices were fine. I don't know what the character's actually supposed to look like. You know, a lot of times when they do these movies, they try to keep them in some form or fashion true to their comic origins with some tweaks here and there. Because, you know, some of those character (laughs) designs are pretty awful in a certain sense. Let me paint you a picture. The original Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, take a silk kimono that is red with leopard print edges um, and a headband and slippers. Nice. Yeah. So why didn't they do that? (laughs) (laughs) Because they knew better. Now, this is just a plot detail uh, that's separate from this, that it was dragon scale that they made their stuff out of, but it was clean, right? Yeah. yeah it, it had its own flourish and details, but like a lot of the other outfits, design, stuff like that, it was clean and had the same type of look to it in terms of the material that it was based out of, based on, I should say. So that part, that part was fine. It didn't like, wow me it didn't stand out but it wasn't anything awful and you know the first half of the movie was obviously set in different scenes and situations and what they look like when they are doing their 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 day jobs let's call it you know all those things look fine uh you're right the rings which were i don't think they were ever practical were the i don't think so no all all kind of a digital setup were fine i mean i don't know i don't know what you want them to be it was fine so i'm trying to think there weren't there weren't a lot of things that were actual props right so there was a lot of weapons towards the end yeah there were a lot of weapons and those weapons were fine um (laughs) razor fists fists and lots of S's in there. Yeah. Uh was fine. I so, thought that was really pretty cool. Is it where where did it come from? Well, you know, it, it's like uh Wolverine's claws. It was just up inside the bone. <laughs> I was just, you know, wondering. You you can't question the physics of this. Uh it's you got you got you got to let that one go. Yeah, so there was nothing that was really distracting in a certain sense. You know, we can always, like we do, we nitpick on things because that's what we're talking about. And you notice a thing and I notice a thing and it it bothers us and we nitpick on it. Okay. That's cool. But honestly, I didn't see anything that was nitpicky. It was just all, it was fine. I loved razor fists car. First of all, that was fantastic. I like how he... It's like having a picture of yourself in your room. 
<laughs> He's got the vanity plate that says Razor Fist. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I really liked it. Now, part of it may be a bias uh, in that I am familiar with the comic book character Razor Fist, which is stupid, incredibly stupid. Um, but they made kind of cool. Uh, Marvel has a good track record of taking things that were just awful and making them kind of cool. Um, uh, and so, I mean, I like that presentation. Yeah, the rings were vague in the, in what they were capable of doing, but uh, I thought they were visually interesting. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a weapon like that in a film? Now, I, I know how they're supposed to work, right? They're actual rings. Yes. And each ring has its own separate power. Is that in a sense? In the right? comics, yes. Yeah. Now, do you think they they didn't do that where they did these, I don't know what you call them, wrist rings? Brace, bracelets. Bracelets. I don't know. Wrist rings. It's kind of funny. Anyway. <laughs> Was it too complicated to have actual rings on your fingers and then this one did this thing and this one did this thing and this without any explanation? Or was it just like, we're going to disregard all of this and make up our own things? I think it, that it, it had too much of a feeling of uh, similarity to the Infinity Gauntlet. Hmm. I could see that. I mean, maybe a different power level, but it's still hand jewelry that has separate powers. So... Uh, I feel maybe they would have thought that the average uh, viewer would get confused uh, or at the very least bored. And we don't know their origins either. Yeah, that's part of the plot. Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that I liked the uh, spears uh, that they had. Um, that was pretty sweet. Um I, I really liked, uh, you know, a good chunk of, the, of everything that they had. Everybody wearing was just solid. I, for me, I, I don't do this very often. I'm going with a 10 out of 10 on the costuming props. Wow, that's a big score. I did an 8, which honestly is better than just fine. Yeah, so still good. Yep. Um, and that kind of leads directly into the locations, the places they go. There's a lot of places in this film. Uh, you get to go around San Francisco and to a couple of drab apartments uh, out in front of the place that uh, they work. Uh, you get to sing some karaoke in a couple small spots, but the the really interesting parts are uh, going into the uh, into the underground world of tournament fighting. Didn't we just watch a movie on that? Yes, but it wasn't underground. No. It was well above ground. It was well above ground. Um, but yeah, that entire structure was really interesting. Did did it have the same effect with the bamboo stuff on the outside? The first time I saw it, I got the same feeling the second time. Uh, I immediately went to Rush Hour. Ooh, it's been a while since I've seen Rush Hour. But yes, I buy into that. So that that was a positive association for me because I, I really enjoyed that that really kind of uh, that feeling there. But uh, so that environment was really neat. A lot of combination of technology and normal stuff, and then you got the the fantastical realm of whatever whatever <laughs> that they just made up. The tree forest place that creates a maze. I mean, that looked, that they borrowed from Harry Potter. It looked like trees. Okay, um, <laughs> the edge mage from yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter. The oh yeah, and it closed behind them if they're going too fast. Yes, danger. The mystical pocket realm that had vast, lush greenscapes. Right, that looked fine. That was good. As opposed to the the top of the world of the criminal organization that's all in that blue wash that that they did. Uh, you know, very, very um, serious, at least until they got to the wooden wall that leaked water. Yes, traditional. We got to get a little feel in there, you right. know? 
and the oh, what are we missing? Was there someone? Um, well, when they were when they finally captured them, I guess captured isn't the correct word, but then took them back <laughs> home, gently imprisoned them. Yeah, and their mountaintop base of excitement had a lot of intricate uh, woodworking. Right, but then their you know. Her, his sister's room had all the posters and you could see ACDC right. t-shirt in the back and things like that. That was cool. That was pretty neat. Uh, getting a little bit of the, the um, personality from the environment is always a really nice trick to do. Um, but there's a lot, the thing that got me while, while nothing really wowed me, wowed me in terms of any of those locations, there's so much variety and so much stuff that was enough. For me to just go, wow, okay, there is actually, there's a lot of thought that's been put into this. A whole new world. Don't start singing. <laughs> this is a Disney property. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't think we're going to dwell on this, but I mean, it's just, it's just really good. I didn't see anything that were major holes that yanked me out of it in terms of the background. Um, Everything was just kind of solid. It was, it was good. It flowed. Uh, for me, that's 9 out of 10. Yeah. Did I hear a 9-er in there? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, 9 out of 10. All right. Well, let's get into the cinematography. I know you've got some issues with this. Why don't you start on your, your thoughts on cinematography? This is where the special effects are. Well, in terms of the cinematography, there were lots of colors, there were lots of ranging shots that showed things and there were, were plenty of action sequences where the camera moved and the people showed their skills, but they moved fast enough so that they hid some of the liabilities with their skills, which is what you have to do in these types of movies. And I think what I noticed as the movie kind of progressed and we'll see this more in my discussion of the plot and just like the overall feel of the movie is when the movie first started I it was like I was sucked into the movie the characters were cool the actors were cool the presentation was cool I enjoyed everything and then as the movie went on I kind of felt like everything just waned a bit and I felt the same thing with the cinema the cinematography and the special effects is that as we got closer and closer to the end, it's not like these characters and these creatures and what they had and what they wore and what was presented were bad, but it just kind of was like, I'm seeing too many fuzzy edges and I'm not seeing things that are clear. Now, keep in mind when I watch this, it's on a 12 inch black and white television. It's on a TV. That's plenty fine. It was, (laughs) I've got a 50 inch television and was in 4k (laughs) Disney plus does the presentation in the IMAX presentation now on some of these features. I don't know if you've noticed that, um, Iron Man's actually like that. There's a couple others, but anyway, I just felt like the last half of the movie just had, it's like we, we've started this movie. It's like they made it in chronological order and the first half of the movie, they were going good. They had the budget and then they hit a wall and then they're just like, well, we need to do things and let's get this finished and let's polish. And we've got to get this out by a certain time frame. And then the stuff was the stuff at the end, you know, and ah, I didn't get that. I, I, and I'm not saying that that's what happened. I just got that vibe and a lot of the, the crispness was lost to me towards the latter half of the movie. I think maybe possibly some of the intent was missed. So when they go into this other dimension, that's basically where that shift is that you're talking about. It's another dimension. It's not necessarily going to follow the same rules. And it's a very dreamlike area. Dreams are not going to have necessarily crisp edges. I think it's maybe the influences that they chose. I think it was on purpose. It wasn't bad CGI. It's just that's the artistic direction that they went. Which isn't necessarily to say that that makes it any better for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's a good excuse. But I, I, because of that, it didn't affect me in the same way because I'm, I, I feel like I'm used to that sort of a um, mechanic in terms of storytelling. Uh, and I was kind of expecting it because that was, uh, that was kind of the logical thing, especially with the villain being the kind of a, a demonic entity, uh, something from your dreams, your nightmares. It's not technically from your dreams or your nightmares, but that's the, the feel of it. Uh, and combining that with a very, um, pastel, watercolor kind of interpretation of reality, yeah, you're going to have some blurred edges, and it just just didn't bother me. What about the the dragon at the end? I thought the dragon was solid. Um, Reminded me a bit of Spirited Away. Uh, To a certain extent, I was really hoping the dragon was going to be Fin Fang Foom, uh, clearly it was not, or if that was Fin Fang Foom, I would argue that whoever wrote it doesn't understand the character. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't think that it was. Um, it, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's it has other problems, which I'll get into in, in the writing section, but in terms of design, I liked it. It's, it's an eastern dragon, just a really big one. Mm-hmm. And what about the... So there was the soul suckers, and then there was what was the big the big uh, creature thingy? D- dweller in darkness. Okay. Yeah, that. Um, so you have to go. Th- there's pretty clear uh, king in yellow, uh, Cthulhu uh, kind of influences on that character in the comics, and they sort of kept it, but not really. Yeah, I'm going to get on that on plot as well. In terms of the actual design, if it were just a beast, yeah, sure, they're fine. Flying octopi and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, some sort of sort of tentacle monster thing. Eh, it, it was okay. If there was a weakness, I felt that was it. Now, what about, so we mentioned the rings themselves in the props. But in the cinematography and the presentation here, how they actually utilized the rings. Beautiful. So you, you enjoyed the, the fact that they would fling them in a certain sense and they'd oh, either yeah. explode or they would be projectiles or create an aura of yeah. some sort. Yeah, I, I, was, I was good with that. If you're going to take my normal Mandarin rings away and give me uh, bracelets that are... Uh, pseudo mystical slash technological uh, sure make them do it's basically just a combination of uh, of uh, an electrical uh, an electrical taser and uh, telekinesis okay I'm good with that um, it, and and the way that they used it considering the influences I thought was just like I said is beautiful it, it allowed for uh, a neat display that's suitably vague to produce whatever effect you want um, and did not pull me out of it at any point where I go, oh, come on. The closest I got was when he used the rings to jump over the ocean <laughs> in the other world. That was that was quite a jump uh, to get over the entire body of water from the village to where the wall to the dweller in darkness was. Well, he used it as a propulsion device. Right. And then he used it as brakes also. I hope so, because that's a bit of a fall. And and you're right. It wasn't like he'd you know, swing him around or fling him or whatever it was. It wasn't anything crazy. I mean, you might have thought after having him for a thousand years, he might be a little bit more well-versed on what they could do. But he right. seemed to have different presentations of whatever he had learned to do with them. It was... See, one of the things that made the comic book's character so interesting was not only did all of the rings have a different power, he would give the rings to his operatives. So the powers weren't always with him. They would go with an operative, and he would be able to see and hear what happened and indirectly control the operative 
to a certain extent as well. So it made him really, really versatile and kind of disturbing. And this is not that uh, because, again, it's not a traditional villain. But uh, if you're going to go with kind of a crouching tiger aesthetic in some respects, um, then this works. Yeah, I guess it's interesting to see if, once again, he's had these four thousand years, thousands of years, whatever. Now Shang-Chi has them. What can he do with them? Uh, Avengers want to know. Park all of their cars simultaneously. Ooh, yes. <laughs> nice. Look at it like that. Uh, so, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked the shots. I liked the tracking. I didn't think there's no jerky cam at any point. True. Um, you got enough width to be able to see everything you wanted to see without going super wide to the point where you couldn't really get an impression of anything that was going on. I thought, I thought it was all, all pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go higher on this. What, what's your score out of 20? Do you think on cinematography? We had indicated another 15 yeah so solid uh, i'm gonna go 17 because i really enjoyed it uh, i thought it did pretty well all right the final and arguably most important uh aspect mm-hmm. the the plot and the writing this is the 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 creme de la creme of of nitpicking <laughs> where we just really dig into the only things that potentially bothered us or that we really liked um and for me I don't know about you, but the other stuff, all the other stuff is nice, but this is what will inevitably either bring me back to watch the film again and again, or is going to make me go, okay, that's good enough. I saw what I need to see and I'll, I'll never come back to it. Unless there are some very solid action sequences. True. And then maybe you could actually just watch those sequences without having to watch the whole movie again. (laughs) Fast forward, fast forward, fight possible yes but you're right it does it either draws you in makes you frustrated or just bores the heck out of you so i think i think i got a little bit of a couple of those in this one for me personally so all right um let's start at the basics in the character development um you know we were talking a little bit. Uh, I can't remember what it was we were talking about this. Uh, good use of flashback versus bad use of flashback uh, where things could potentially get a little disconfusing. Um, mm. Now, they used flashback several times in this to give some depth to the history of the characters and develop motivation. And I thought they did a great job with it because they didn't overuse it. And it was, again, just to kind of give context at the right points. Um, I thought that was pretty solid. Yeah, because we were introduced to the, the main characters as a, you know, obviously present day. Well, that makes sense. But how did they get? Where do they get? Why do they get? And we got bits and pieces of that delivered, you know, in terms of motivation, in terms of why they are there. It didn't get delivered as one complete entity. It got delivered in separate entities that made right. a whole. Yeah. But we really only got what we got some of well uh, some of Sean's background. Right. A little less of his sister's background. Um we got we got a good amount from Zhu Wenwu. Yeah. Yep. When he was, you know, back in the day when they were riding horses and stuff and he was the Big baddie. Well, and what caused him to change as he meets the love of his life and decides that that doesn't matter to him anymore. That's true. A little bit of growth in a sense, but we didn't get, we didn't get mom. I mean, we, did we really? Got a hint. We found that she was mysteriously on the outside of the entrance when he shows up and she. Well, you just kind of go, Why? Why, why, like, didn't make any sense. <laughs> she waves her hands around and does some moves, and he's mesmerized, and he's kind of a jerk, but, you know, apparently she likes jerks, so. 
Cool. And now we're in love. There was the nice the nice callback they did though, because you know they did the whole fighting thing, and she's basically directing him around. And when they're interacting, he's kind of bemused by it. But when uh, when Shang Chi does the same thing to him at the end, the reaction is not quite the same. It's more because it was discussed earlier in the movie. If the time came when we thought that you had the power to have these, that they would be yours. And that's kind of the impression that I get at the end. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, he's stronger than me. So it's almost like he, he, he just made that realization at the end. I really liked the meeting with friends as a framing device. Meeting with friends. So they start the movie having a meal with their friends and their mm. friends are talking about how they haven't done anything with their lives and they end the movie having a meal with their friends and telling them all this amazing stuff they've done with them not believing them at all. Yes, absolutely. That was fun. Um, and then it, we see Wong. It was nice. So I, I think people enjoy the Wong character. I do. And it was nice to get a little bit more screen time. We didn't. We haven't really mentioned it at all, right? The the sequence in which he's in the ring fighting the abomination. That was fun. So okay, I, I want more details around that. Yeah, we're missing something there. Yeah, like what what are we seeing? So, and then they have that little discussion at the end about him. You know, like like they're discussing or he's telling the abomination what he why he did things wrong or like why were you hurting me so it's like they knew each other they were maybe were they training before where did they go back to what's going on here i know i have my theories and uh, i will not discuss those in the uh, in the episode but I, I i'm i'm fairly certain i know where they're going with that uh, and i hope i'm right but uh i thought they did that was a nice just fun thing to have in there um the Trevor Slattery character had already been developed, so it really didn't need any more of anything. Its its function was specifically to move the plot along, act as some comedic relief, and uh, it did fine because you know Ben Kingsley. I mean, stick him in doing anything, and I'm I'm good with that. Um, yeah, it's just so convenient that the faceless wing dog thing is there. And that he understands the dog. Yeah, I really, I do want to know a little bit about that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And that he knows where to go and that the sister knows how to get out. And it's like they were never even trapped there. It's. (laughs) Go to your room and then leave whenever you like. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then, okay, so the other thing though too is, and this is part of the plot. So they take off in Razor Fist's car and then they drive. And then she's, we've already established she's a great driver. Right. Right. Okay. So whatever with that. And they get there and they're there. Instant. Quick. <laughs> it like, was like, fast. So one. It's only a block away. Yeah. Like where was it in relation? And okay. <laughs> they just, whatever. So I know that the, the maze fit that certain pattern at a certain time. So it's not like they could just go and follow them or could they couldn't, I don't know. Anyway. So, well, the pocket was very small. That's true. They were getting closed in behind, but the dog knew where to go and whatever. Anyway, I like the dog. So no, that was fine. It was just all convenient. So they, they they get there and then, what was it supposed to be like two days later or a day later? Two yeah, days? It was like two days. Okay. And that is apparently all you need to become a master archer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. They even call it out at the end of the film. <laughs> I trained for two days and you should have seen me. No, no, sorry. Yeah. And she was like, when they were, when the soul suckers were flying across the lake and she was with pinpoint accuracy, you know, dropping them as they flew across, you know, excellent. Good for her. 
And then at the end, the undefeatable creature is defeating everybody, and she shoots the arrow right through the neck. Perfect shot. Perfect timing. So the thing, and this this is something that bothers me. I understand the purpose of that. you got to give her that heroic moment. And I agree, that is absolutely necessary for that character at that point. I don't think that was it. I think they already had some massively expert archers, like the old lady that lets her learn how to, to shoot in the first place. I would have liked to have seen her make that shot. And what Katie's heroic moment was is one of those, or even several of those stupid octopus things are going to get her before she can take that shot. And she beats them off with one of the stabs or whatever, manages to keep them away long enough for her to be able to do that. That gives her that same heroic moment with a skill set that takes much less time to learn. It kind of devalues the warriors as a whole. Right. So, yeah, I, I didn't like that. Now, if they decide to go, well, she's actually got a history in some whatever and... I guess they could develop that, but they didn't do it in this film, which, like you said, kind of cheapens it a little bit. Um, I did like the whole razor fist bit towards the end uh, where we're not going to team up with you. We can kill these things. Okay, we can't kill these things. We are definitely teaming up with you. Yes, that's fine. (laughs) And then his (laughs) retractable blade that goes from From nowhere. Nowhere. He ripped out of his stub and put in the different blade so that he could actually slice the people up. I mean, that's not really a plot thing. But anyway, it was just a weird observation. Um, and once again, we're, we're, we do our favorite. We're just picking on random things. Now, yeah. the one thing that I, that I want to go with in terms of the, the plot here is... I liked the initial setup. I mentioned this already that I thought the first half of the of the film was great and then just kind of waned towards the end. But the first half, I don't know, it just had a different feel to me. The, the soundtrack was great. The pace was great. The comedy was there. The actual lightheartedness, the rapport between everybody was fun. It was just it, it was just a different feel, a different type of movie. But the soundtrack is what I really appreciated in the first half. And then that soundtrack that they had picked the excellent songs with the great feel, it kind of just went away at the end. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. I think maybe it's it's one of those things where um, basically um, it's, I think it's just that they pulled back. They expanded the the range of of where they were of where they were looking, and because of that shift, I can see how that could potentially throw people off. And I, I liked the interaction with the family people's yo. That was fun, and. Could you hear that, folks? <laughs> I don't know if you could. I think you could. Um, uh, and like I said, the pace of it just it, it it just confused me a little bit because you had this whole attitude and atmosphere, and it changed from modern and to fantasy land, and I, and that's kind of how the plot went. So it had to follow that. I just didn't like the shift, and then the action sequence. On the on the outside, on the the bamboo stuff, mm-hmm. did you really ever feel like they were in peril? No. So I, I didn't get that sense of, not dread, but not excitement. Suspense. Was, yeah, yeah. I just got the sense that, okay, well, they're going to come out of this. Everything's good. Yeah. No problem. Well, and that's the other thing I got. It's like, oh, it feels very buddy cop, buddy cop. Rush hour. Right. (laughs) Like it's almost lifted directly from it. Um, So 
I think my big issue is good combat. I like the special effects. I think the character initial development was good and that the characters that needed to develop over the course that they needed to change did have some change over the course of the film, but the plot was just kind of eh. So ultimately what was the the baseline plot of this story? I feel like the baseline plot of the story is that um, Shang-Chi comes to terms with where he came from and stops dad from accidentally destroying the world by letting free a large tentacle monster. I mean, that doesn't really sound like an exciting (laughs) movie at its absolute base core. Um, They had to go after the necklaces so that they could get the map when all along they had the faceless dog. I don't know. It's whatever. It's like a, it's like a ride at Disney world. (laughs) doesn't have to make a whole lot of a sense. Yes, just has to make some money. Right. Um, and then last but not least, the other thing that kind of disappointed me is this this pattern that they, they do. And I again, I understand why, especially with this film. There is absolutely no reason at all that the Dweller in Darkness should be the villain for Shang-Chi. Because that's two vastly different power levels and even if you give him those fancy bracelets if they if it was actually the power level of the character in the comics it would not have even been a fight it would have been ridiculously short it's like oh you know martial arts i win (laughs) that would have been pretty much it um so yeah i it, it was an odd choice it just an attempt to have a looming threat where they they needed something and it was just kind of I guess attempting to be just a little nod to the comic book fans like hey you remember this character that we're never actually going to use in anything well we'll kind of use it here but not really yeah and dad's drive to free his long lost wife dad she's dead she's still alive let me Break down this scale wall with my powerful rings. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good point. So she she talked to me. She told me. So you saw her. No. And you've been alive how long? And you're this gullible? Seriously? That's what I'm saying. Like, it just kind of fell apart. So the whole reason that he went after his kids uh, was because they had the necklaces and they needed the, the map. And... I, I don't know. Whatever it was, just, <laughs> it just didn't quite connect right. No, now there was there was far worse movies with way weaker plots, way weaker plots than what we've oh, yeah. seen in this movie. Okay, oh, yeah. uh, I just feel like this movie could have been stronger, and I like where the first half was going. It just was a big letdown, and I feel like there were there could have been a better culmination. Yeah, there could have been better bad guys. There could have been better everything at the end to lead into something more. Now we also know at the end, ooh, the Ten Rings will still be an active something, something cool. You want me to kind of really? Uh, I think I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to describe this movie in one word, and I think it'll be the perfect description of its strengths and its weaknesses. Jumanji. Which Jumanji? The original one. Hmm. There was basically no plot. Not really. Very minimal. It's all about the ride. Just going through. Don't think about it. Don't try and make sense of it. Just go along. It's visually very interesting. Lots of effects. Some interesting characters that do develop. But don't try and make sense of the plot. There's a way to introduce the character and these rings that come post credit scene number two. They're floating on something. And Bruce Banner's like, I don't know what they are. And Captain Marvel's like, I haven't seen those before. And I gotta go. Yeah. (laughs) 
So what was the point of the end? What was the point of that one? <laughs> the whole point of that was so that they could have karaoke with Wong. Mm, I like that much better. Yes. Yes. And that worked for me. So I'm going to give that, um, it was not amazing, but it wasn't bad. 15 out of 20. 14 for me. Now this is the part where we can give any special points. And I've got none, truthfully, for mine. How about you? Any special points, plus or minus? Yeah, so I decided to do a couple of half points. One was you made someone so unwatchable in the past be watchable in this movie. You got to get some credit for that. Definitely. And honestly, one of the things that stuck with me for the first little bit of the movie was the soundtrack that they had was excellent. And we've talked in the past about maybe having a music category. So I'm going to, you know, I got to get a little extra love for it would have been more points had that carried out throughout the whole movie. But we have to recognize that there was some good stuff in there. So I feel like there's some, some Anderson Pock uh, at the beginning of the uh, uh, of the um, credits too, which is always good for me. Maybe not sure. Yeah. Not familiar with. Yeah, the good. who's I just the what's were good. Exactly. Very nice. All right. So that brings our grand total for Richard. Drum roll. Seventy-eight. That's a C plus. C plus is fine. Yeah, yeah. Very solid. Uh, for me, I would put that uh, film at an 83. Solid B. Uh, very nice film. Uh, not one that I will watch over and over and over and over again, but I enjoyed watching it, and I've seen it twice now. And I'll watch it one more time for the purposes of the death count. But uh, Yeah, when when I watched, when I was done watching this, I never got the the immediate sense of, man, I want to watch this again. Which which stinks. I'll watch it again. It's on Disney Plus. You can watch it whenever you want to. Right. And I probably will. But I never got that immediate sense immediate sense when I was done. Like I missed some things. I want to go back and review and watch some of these things. I never really got that. Just wait until you see the Eternals. <laughs> mm, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Uh, we're, we'll get to that in a month or so. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, what did you think? Uh, did you think this was a, a, a swell film? Did you find it boring? Uh, somewhere in between, let us know. We always like to uh, hear what uh, our listeners think. Uh, contact us on social media. We'll always respond. Uh, and uh, until next time, keep watching films. Be safe out there. And enjoy the pop culture in any way that you can. <laughs>